0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Uh, it says Psalm chapter 76. It is a it is a song of Asaph and it is a, a praise song. And again asaph likes to nail down some he likes to speak of some principles about God that are common to scripture and they're theologically they're theologically important to go over and to understand and not only that sometimes you just need to read things that are truth and allow that to wash over you if you'll notice sometimes when you're a uh, watching the news or something like that, you'll see Jews in Israel or the, at the Wailing Wall and they'll be praying and they have this uh, this thing around their head with a box on top. It almost looks like what we have today, modern day uh, a light to be worn at night on top of your head and you cut it on and it shines out ahead of you like a, a, a car light in front of you. That box uh, contains little strips of paper where the Word of God is written on it. And that is their method of keeping the Word of God ever before them. And uh, what that means is that God's Word uh, needs to be always in your heart and in your mind and in the thought processes of who you are so that continually you're marinating in His truth and your character is beginning to uh, understand, know, and walk in it. So many people treat, treat church like we treat the rest of life. It's an event to be a part of. It's a, it's an aspect of my life, but it's not the, it's just one aspect of my life. You might have work, family, you've got, you've got times uh, that you set aside during the week for your own pleasures, whatever it might be. might be some kind of hobby that you have. might be athletics, lifting weights, working out. And then then you have, there's just a myriad of things, different organizations in the community that you're regularly a part of, or you meet, or a club, or something like that. And then church is just another thing that you do. And it's an important thing, but it's not the most important thing. The problem with that is is that if that is how you live your Christian life, you're never ever really being changed by God's word and the way you see the world and the way you, the way things come about in your heart and your mind in the world remains largely the way it used to be, even before you began to go to church, before you began to, before you became a Christian and you never struggle with the real or the real character and nature of God, in, in a lot of ways, sometimes we as uh, church leaders promote that. We say, "You well, know, there's just some things about God you're not gonna." The reason I would say that is because I don't understand it myself. And uh, why would I tell a believer that when God's clearly made made known that if you lack wisdom, you can ask and you can receive it? God wants us to know Him. He doesn't. He's not made this thing so far away, so unattainable, so ununderstandable ununder- that we can't. We can and we should. And quite clearly in scripture, not only does God say that we can, God says that we should. God wants us, desires that we would come and and seek after him, and to know him, and to know his word, and to understand his word, and to understand what he's got to say in it, and how it all works together. So those out there that would tell you that you just, there's some things about God you just never going to, and you're right, you're never going to get it, but that doesn't reclude you from seeking after it. There's lots of things in life that I'll never experience, but that doesn't mean that I should not grab hold of life and experience it to its fullest. You're right, God is more more unimaginable than we could we could ever think about, we could ever consider all that we could never consider in this lifetime all the aspects of God, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't grab the biggest heap and helping of him we could, we can and consume as much as we can of who he is so that so that his nature and his character and his goodness his grace all the things that we talk about all the time might be manifest in our in our lives might might come about in our lives he says in judah god is known his name is great in israel can we say that can we say that here i don't know i don't know can you say that for yourself he says in judah god is known do you know god do you know him do you understand who he is do you understand what he's saying. One of the things I have been in past been chided about is that sometimes I get too deep and people don't want all that depth. I, I found that in order to really understand something, you have to uh, dive deep in it, into it. I, I can't be an attorney and just know where the law is and know generally what goes on in certain aspects of the law. That just won't work. I have to know. I have to intimately know what I'm doing in order to in order to be a good attorney to be a good father you have to you have to you have to try you got to try to figure out now for women being a good mother sometimes it's very instinctual very part of their lives. but for a father that's what instructs fathers and in, on how to be fathers and rarely does the bible instruct mothers on how to be mothers because you got to actually work at being a, fa- a good father you got to actually figure out how children grow up and how how children are and, and what your role is to play in that and then actually engage in doing that and and failing and figuring it out. You can't just superficially be the father who just, you know, passes through the children's life in the morning and in the evening but never ever really engages them in any kind of relationship. That kind of stuff, that kind of stuff is not fathering. And and a person who thinks that they're doing uh fathering who does that is not they're not doing fathering well. They're doing it terribly. And in all aspects of life, what friendship, what do we call a friendship where you know the person, you passingly see them and speak to them in the evening or in the, out in the community? We call that an acquaintance. That's not a friendship. That's an acquaintance because no investment has actually been made. No depth has been reached. No, no place of uh, commonality has been established. And so that's not reality. The question is, do you treat your Christian life? You treat your relationship with God that way. Is he known to you or do you, you've heard of him and you've been around him and you show up every once in a while and you're a part of it. That's how, that's how fake friendships are made where you're friends with somebody and then you hear something bad about him, but you really don't know him. And then you don't really have any, you really don't have any, any true knowledge of them that would cause you to pause when somebody says something terrible about them and say, oh, that's not really the person I know. You, you have no defenses for it. And then so you just join in into the destruction of that person's character without really uh, knowing whether it's true or not. The same thing happens with Christianity. The same thing ha- happens with our relationship with God. If you just barely passingly know him, Then when the troubles and the difficulties times come, when the time comes and it's going to come in this, this country eventually one day where becoming a Christian requires effort, becoming a Christian require being a Christian requires you to stand firm in what you believe. Becoming a Christian actually costs you something. Just like Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me when it actually costs you something. You've never ever dived any, in, in any depth into who you are as a Christian. And so you cast it off. Like uh, some other activity which you could, you can afford to not be a part of anymore because it's too costly for you. You cast it off just like anything else. Sadly, the Bible teaches that one day there'll be a great casting away. There'll be a great, there'll be a great uh, falling away of the church. Why? Because they've treated their walk with God and, and they're treated the Christian faith as if it's just nothing. If it's just another activity which I can do or not do, the whether and and so ultimately it ends in in in, it ends in separation. And I don't know when it says in Judah God is known, His name is great in Israel. I I I ask myself all the time: Does that mean He's He's known to me? Is He great in me? In Salem also is is His tabernacle. By the way, Salem is the word for peace in the Old Testament. So you could literally translate that in peace. Also is his tabern, there's really only true peace uh, resting in the sovereign uh, power of God. There's only true peace there, resting in his all-knowing, all-powerful, all knowing, pre- all powerful, all present, uh, meaning he's everywhere, but he's also everywhere at every time, His omnipresence everywhere and all time, everywhere and all the time at the same time for him. all time is present for God. His omnipresence, only there is there peace for a person. He says, and his dwelling place in Zion, meaning his dwelling place on his holy hill, on his holy mountain, he's holy and he is all powerful, sovereign over everything. And, and the truth is peace is only found there. He broke the arrow and of the bow and the shield and swore and sword of battle, meaning that God is the one that destroys conflict. God is the one that destroys war. Not us, because war is a natural part of the human state and the human nature. It's not us. It's God who does that. And so many times as we're going through uh, trouble and and tumult, the one who is to deliver us from that, the one who is to break that for us is God, not another human being, not your own consciousness or your own work of your own hand. God works that on his own. He says, you're more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. Meaning you're more, and, and anybody who's been, we just recently took a trip to Yellowstone. Anybody who's been and seen the gloriousness of a mountain and the majesty of a mountain, he says, way more glorious than that. Way more exciting than that. Our relationship with God is way more glorious and exciting than anything else. It is it is fulfilling. It is it it, it, it it crushes the lust of the flesh and the desires of our own heart. And, and it brings about a, a desire to attain to and be greater and more and do more for others than we ever did before. That's the cool thing about Christianity. And that's the cool thing about a relationship with God is that it causes us to become better and more than we ever were before and attain to things that we never did before. He says, he says, the stout hearted were plundered. They have sunk into their sleep and none of the mighty men have found the use of their hands. What he's saying is that all the strength of our own flesh, all the power of our own flesh is nothing before God. And to rely and to place your investment, the investment of your life into your own flesh and your own desires is very destructive. It's very destructive. It's, it's a waste of your life. It's hard to say that it is a waste of your life. He says, at, at your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariots and the horse were cast into deep sleep. What he's saying is "in uh, into dead sleep. What he's saying is the power of man is destroyed before God. He says, you yourself are to be feared and who may stand in your presence when once you were angry. Meaning, meaning if God is not pleased, then, you know, we you always hear if mama's not pleased, no if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. The truth is, when God is not pleased, then no one is pleased and nothing goes well. And and that is that is true for your life if you're a believer. You cannot get away from the Holy Spirit. He is always with you. You cannot escape his presence, his power, his love and his purposes in your life. And so to to make an effort to do such is folly, is foolishness. He says, you cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still, meaning when God uh, sets things right, he's going to set things right. What he desires from us is that after he's chosen us, after he's made us into a new creation, after he's enlightened us with his word, after he's called us to him, that we would choose his best and and that we would choose to walk in his grace and mercy and that we would not uh, be continued indulging in the things that bring about judgment and bring about pain and suffering. And and, and that struggle is true for me as well as anybody else. That struggle is, is true for me each and every day, and it's true for everybody else. He says, you caused judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to deliver all the oppressed of the earth. Remember, God's judgment is to set things right. God's judgment is not for the purpose just for to say that sin is unholy. His judgment is to say sin is unholy and to set it right. Remember, he he finds them guilty and then he pronounces sentence. It's not just a judgment that was wrong. It's a judgment for, for the purpose of saying, and this is how it is going to be. He says, surely the wrath of man shall praise you with the remainder of wrath You shall gird yourself. He says, even man's wrath shall praise you. Even man's anger shall praise you. And see, God is okay with our own anger. He's good with us being angry and us approaching him feeling angry. But remember, we we have to be angry and sin not. He says, make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Meaning, tell God who you're going to be from his own revelation to you. And do what you say you're going to do. I, so many times say, telling God one thing and then doing another. So many times saying you're going to be faithful and a person of faithfulness and truth, and not walking in that faithfulness and truth. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. He says God ought to your your vows ought to be kept to God, and and you ought to bring him. The best, which is your own life. Bring him, bring him the best of your life and lay them before him. And really there is no way for your Christian life to be an activity that you engage in on um, every once in a while. And you say that's your best. You're bringing him, you bring him your leftovers. If that's who you are. He said, he shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is awesome to the kings of the earth. Notice he's saying, "Listen, I have power over everything." This song, this song just, just really on the surface, just hits who God is and how we ought to see Him. and And all praise songs speak to very general characteristics of God, and that's why we sing them so that we can continually be hitting the very, the very high points of who God is and speak to His character and nature and speak directly to God and uh, and that's what we were made we're made for relationship with god and so we should sing directly to him because we have access to him as you go today i pray that the lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in jesus name